Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the world. This week's episode, very excited to bring it to you. It's an interview with Steve Politti, NJ.com, Star Ledger, sports writer, legend. Continuing our tradition of uh, following up. I mean, we've talked to Pete Genovese, Jeremy Schneider, Alan Sepinwall, Matt Friedman, Nancy Solomon, people who cover culture and politics and who've been writing about Jersey. Brian Donahue, who's been doing news. Um, and now the great Steve Politti, who um, I talk with him about it. I follow Rutgers football marginally. I'm not a huge football fan. Not a huge Rutgers fan. But I, I follow Rutgers football nominally. And uh, I, I read his stuff, and it's brilliant. Uh, before we get into a little bit more about that, want to thank everybody over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. We were cooking with gas over on that Patreon this week. So many comments about our uh, DeCosmos versus Holston's episode. Uh, a lot of people chiming in with memories of Jackie's Lemon Ice. A lot of people uh, debating DeCosmos and Holston's. And heard on Instagram from someone who claims that he makes the flavors at Holston's. Maybe we might have to follow up that person. Got some feedback from the family that runs DeCosmos. Thanks to everybody over there who's been... Uh, reaching out and especially the patrons over there just dozens and dozens of comments and then also did our, our monthly deep dive episode on harrington park tiny little town in bergen county where you know we dug up some stories about cops suing cops and and kids getting busted for parties and from the comments thread actually some very interesting stuff about how pivotal harrington park was to cory booker's origin story and so and some people really talking about how um, you know, pointing out on the Wotown episodes, we always talk about how diverse West Orange was and how that is the outlier and how Harrington Park is a story about how, how Jersey is not always that way. And, and Cory Booker, that's been central to him. So very fascinating stuff. Now back to Steve Politti. have to thank him for taking the time. Uh, if you guys aren't following Rutgers football, it's very interesting, very interesting, uh, stretch right here. Okay. Three, and oh, they take on Iowa in their next game, their home opener, uh, for the big 10. And it's going to be an interesting year because they got a little buzz going. I mean, they were supposed to beat up on Wagner, and they did. They barely beat Temple, which was concerning. They they came from behind to beat Boston College, and that has everybody excited. So Rutgers is 3-0 this year, and uh, very cool to talk to Steve, not just about the sports he covers, but about the relationship to New Jersey and sports, the way that there are certain stories like Seton Hall in 89, like Rutgers Louisville 06, and a host of other things like Arturo Gaddy, like Nick Suriano. I mean, you know we love talking about Nick Suriano on this show. Wait do you hear him talk about his first interview with Nick Suriano. Talking about the culture of New Jersey sports and how it ties into the state as a whole with, with some someone who has thought long and hard about that. It was a true joy, a true pleasure, and I hope you enjoy this interview with the one and only Steve Politti. Okay, recording everyone, and I'm, I'm very, uh, very happy to be here today with someone who uh, I've been reading for years. This is Steve Politti from NJ.com, the Star Ledger, the, 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 what, however that merger lands, however you've come to know it in your <laughs> life. Steve, I, I can't thank you enough for being here on the show today. No, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the state know, because most of the people listening to the show are people who grew up here, still live here in a lot of cases. Um, it's fair to say that you're one of the core sports writers over at the Ledger for many years now. Yeah, I've been I've been there since 1998, and I started as a columnist in 2005. 
actually right. delivered the, actually delivered the Star Ledger as a kid. So really, my sushi. If you want to, I was getting I've been getting checks from the newspaper since the mid eighties. If you want to go oh, back wow. that far, but so. Yeah. Uh, Oh, the sports analogy, you almost were like the bat boy for the legend. Yeah, and now, you're, much, yeah. now you're starting in center field. That's yeah, wild. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I wasn't much of a paper boy. I think I went from like 60 customers to about 47. So I contributed to the decline of subscriptions <laughs> there you go. before that became a real problem. So, <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yes. Just, just through your work alone, the, exactly. uh, the newsroom shrank a little bit back yeah. then, sad to say. Um you were you were mentioning. I said we got to start recording right away because you said you've listened to a few episodes <laughs> of our shows, particularly the uh, the Rick Sarone one. Did you did you know that Rick Sarone was putting out uh, songs, or was this news to you? VR of course podcast? not. No, I had no idea. Yeah, that that is, uh, and I so I I don't I, I listened to the one where you discover this. I don't know if I, I couldn't find that. If you had indeed replayed the song on a subsequent episode, I have not heard it yet. So I'll yeah. tell you what, we, we located two copies on vinyl. I have one. One of my co-hosts, Mike <laughs> D has one. We have not aired it out publicly wow. yet, but I, I own a copy of the Rick Cerrone seven inch on vinyl. And, so. and, and is it it's everything you want it to be. No, I would hope so. It's everything yeah. you want it to be. I was hoping that would be the case. I love that you listened to that one right away because Cerrone is one of these people who occupies this air of like New Jersey sports legend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, did he break out huge on a, ma- I mean, he had a very respectable major league career. Sure. But he was a Seton Hall guy later went on to own the Newark bears, but it must be fun for you. There's so much, so many things I want to talk to you about. And I feel like that must be one of them. And since we're getting into it, Jersey's a weird place. It's a weird place to write about. It's a weird place to cover. And you have a particularly hard job. We've talked to other journalists on the show. We just interviewed uh, Brian Donahue, who used to be at the Legend. Now he does Bruce 12. We've talked to Pete Genovese on the show. He's a favorite amongst our fan base. Alan Seppenwall, who used to write at the Ledger. about love Alan. Yeah, we worked together for a while there at the Ledger. Yeah, I can imagine Jeremy Schneider, who does a lot of the culture and food writing along with with you right now. Yep. Um, plus people not at the ledger, Matt Friedman at Politico covers politics. Uh, Nancy Solomon from WMYC covers Jersey politics as well. I was thinking about it and I was laughing. I, I've said to both Pete Genovese and Jeremy Schneider, I go, you guys must have the hardest job because you get to have all this fun writing about food. And then everybody's <laughs> writing you all pissed off about bagels for weeks after you publish your list. But I will tell you something before we get into anything, you have the hardest job. You think? At the ledger. Wow. I'll tell you why. Hard job very often. I am I am a rare breed in New Jersey, which is huge Seton Hall basketball fan, Rutgers graduate. So I don't follow football as much, but I do follow Rutgers football. So I, I consider myself a fan of both schools, whereas they're usually, it's one or the other. Right. Point being, I've seen the Seton Hall fan base constantly complain that there's a star ledger bias against covering them. Right. And then as a Rutgers football fan... I've been, uh, for years, I, I have the app that aggregates all the Rutgers football news. And I used to read those comments sections. <laughs> and I would say, I don't know if there was a harsher comment section on the internet. And this is saying a lot. Yeah. Than in articles you would post about Rutgers football. Of course. Those yeah. fans love coming at you, Steve. And love coming at you. No, absolutely. Yeah. How do you handle that? No, How do you I mean, handle you know, this? When I first started doing it, I would take, you know, I'd be the guy who would go onto the message boards and I would see like, 
yeah, that's not fair. My mother, that, you shouldn't say that about, you know, I would, I would take everything to heart. And after like six months, you know, you've been called every possible name you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and it's at a certain point, it just becomes, all right, comes with the job. Um, I laugh at most. I laughed at it now because, you know, I mean, I, obviously every team fans will see the, the stories that you're negative about the team far more than anything you write that's nice and that's just that's just that's human nature that's everything so you know i get it along a lot of to you're too negative and i'll say well did you read this 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 and this and they go well no i didn't i didn't see those but that one you wrote about the game that we lost 58 to nothing that really got well i mean maybe he didn't lose 58 nothing <laughs> that could be part of the problem right that's you know i mean so but yeah i mean you get used to it it's just it just comes with the territory and look with Rutgers football in particular it seems like I do not envy you having been on that beat over the and a lot of other great writers on that beat over the years as well. But this seems like, and I say this as a graduate, this is a school that only seems to hand writers high highs or low <laughs> yeah. lows. It's, that's it th- exactly it. Doesn't yeah. seem like it gives you much breathing room as far as hey, here's an ambiguous situation and we're going to put a pot, we're going to look at it positively. This is not a school sports program that hands you many um, hard to suss out things. Yeah. In some ways, it's it's almost better for 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 writing purposes. Adrian Wojnarowski, another great New Jersey resident who covers the NBA, used to joke like, don't be 500. Either be the best team or be the worst team. Um but the thing with, with the other side of Rutgers, a lot of that stuff was just off the field stuff. And, you know, if, if you're going to, like, I would, I would actually said this at one point to Chris Ash and it like, you know, cause he was the coach before Greg Shannon took yeah. over the program really bottomed out and, and he got mad at the tone of the coverage. And I'm like, look, just suck normal. You know I mean? Don't, don't lose 78, nothing. No one's going to care if you lose, you know, 42, 14. I mean, to Michigan, that's understandable. But it's the stuff that's just the really when when the program bottomed out and it's just it's off the field stuff and it's it's losses that uh, scores that you know make you when you see scrolling across the screen you're like wait what was that that really get that really got the attention uh, and thank goodness they seem to be through that that awful chapter in 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 Rutgers history it does seem like it's stabilized I was watching the uh, I don't watch every game but I watched the Boston College game and a, a guy who lives down the block from me now my new neighborhood he's a graduate. Years after me, I graduated O two. He graduated later than that. But when that drive started, I texted him. I, I texted him. I go, "Oh my! It it looks like I think they're about to win this game." He was like, "This is crazy. This is crazy. They're winning against another Power Five team on the road to start the year. Just that alone. I mean, winning by one point yeah. in a game riddled with. I mean, even within the game, punting." Fourth and goal because there's so many penalties they've been pushed yeah. back 43 yards at the goal. That wasn't great. Not great. Even that has some very Rutgers stuff within it. But right. to start the season on a positive note, even yeah. that for Rutgers is a tremendous turnaround by Coach and that's, Boston College is a team that they lost to 11 straight times, hadn't beaten since 1991. Yeah, but the way they won, it was it was impressive. You know, they they didn't have much quarterback play. They couldn't pass the ball at all, so they ran it. 11 out of 12 times, 96 yards scored in the final two minutes. Yeah. It was one of those, you know, for, for me, just the logistics of it. And I don't know bore readers about sports writing, but you know, you're right. You're constantly writing. I'm writing this thing I do at, at, as soon as the game's over and you're, you're in the middle of typing and banging away and you look up and like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is like, everything I wrote here is wrong. They're about yeah. to win this game. And it's just, it's just that funny moment. Okay. Just hit delete and you start again. But yeah, that was uh, that was one of the more unlikely wins just the way that game was going. I was very surprised to see them pull it out at the end. Since it's come up, I do want to ask, 
my friends and I, who I gra- there's a joke like amongst my friends I graduated at Rutgers with of like if you see the word Rutgers trending on Twitter or it comes <laughs> up in the news, it's like uh oh what it's never it's never anything good. I gotta ask. I have to imagine you, you've you've been there since '98. Yep. Seems like when it comes to Rutgers football, at least 2006 is the high that the Louisville game is kind of legendary in New Jersey Absolutely. lore. Yeah. What would you say? What's the low point? Is it you know? Is it, I mean, I guess this could also, I mean, is it Mike Rice throwing basketballs at people? Is it Kyle yeah. Flood doing kids homework for them? Is it, <laughs> what, what, how low does it go? Yeah. I mean, that, that whole, that whole chapter with Mike Rice, I think would definitely be the low because that you had the, you know, the news fans parked outside old Queens and that, that was a national story for, for yeah. days and days. I mean, the footage of footage of that, everyone got fired. I mean, it was just, that was just a bad scene uh, inside for a while, but then, and then it seemed like there was just always something. I mean, the Kyle flood stuff you mentioned and they hired Julie Herman, who was not the world's most competent athletic director. It just seemed like there was just one thing after another or Rutgers couldn't get out of its own way, you know? And so I would say that if you were looking for one low, it would definitely be Mike Rice, but it was just, and, and it should have been a very exciting time too, because they just got into the big 10, you know, you would think that this, okay, this is finally, you know, Rutgers has arrived on the big stage. They're playing in the same division as Michigan and Ohio state. I mean, it couldn't get much better, you know, but it's just, the teams were bad and the scandals off the, off the court that those are the hard things to cover because, you know, fans don't necessarily want to read about it, but obviously it's significant stuff. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad they finally have competent leadership so we don't have to look over our shoulder. I mean, it's about, it's about football and basketball and sports now. You know, it's not about the crazy stuff that happens off the court. And it's, it would be very easy for me to make jokes and harp on all that stuff because there's been, I mean, so much of it, you know, uh, Leontay Carew, like th- there's been, there's just, yeah. there's just endless drama with the football program but it seems like i do want to give credit where it's due and it's got to be pleasant for you after all these years because right now shiano seems to have a culture in place that's positive coach right. pike has really turned the basketball oh, team absolutely. around in a yeah. way that's very exciting to watch even as a seton hall fan now that game matters that game always matters i yeah. i see i went to Rutgers, but i grew up in west orange born in 1980 so being in the oranges in 1989 and the early 90s oh, seton yeah. hall and an irish catholic kid nonetheless it was just like you'd sit here and you'd think terry Deher and jerry walker were catholic saints for how much <laughs> they were beloved amongst the irish catholics of essex county uh, but i also got to shout out Rutgers too it's not just football and basketball i mean wrestling We've we've made jokes. I don't know if you've had the chance to talk to him personally, but one of one long running joke on our show is the intensity of Nick Suriano. Oh There's, my god! There have been yeah. times where I've uh, I've tried to impersonate Nick Suriano press conferences, and I sit here and in my head I'm going, I don't think if he ever found this, he couldn't get offended because nothing yeah. I could do to impersonate him would be more intense work. than how intense he actually is. That's oh, true. Man. And, I, and I talked to him. Well, this is a, this is a true story. I inter- first time I interviewed him. Uh, he was talking and he was had his, he had headphones on that sort of the size of yours, right? No one can see yeah. that. You've got big red headphones on. And as he was talking, I found him to be like, like moving with, you know, like, like it looked like he was going to go for my legs. So then I found myself also kind of countering it at the same time. Like I've never had an interview where I thought that, okay, this kid, he's, he's like 120 pounds soaking wet. I'm twice as much, but he's going to, he's going to take me down there. And this, like, I found myself positioning myself. Yeah. He he's one of the more intense dude, but that, yeah, but talk about the kid who came in from New Jersey, won a national championship. They rang, they rang the bells on campus for him. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of sports, like a lot of success stories around campus. That Women's soccer is doing great right now. Final Four team, absolutely. Lacrosse, Final Four. Uh, the basketball, the men's basketball thing to me, that was one of the, I think if I were to rank the top five Rutgers stories I've covered, just that team's emergence was just, was just incre- it was awesome, you know, because the rack, just the noise in that building and how long that fan base had waited, specifically basketball fans had waited for something exciting like that to finally, and then COVID wrecks. I mean, they finally get in and then COVID comes and cancels the tournament. I mean, if you look, you're watching that, like, holy crap, if they don't make it the next year, this is going to be one of the worst, most devastating stories of all time. And Just instead sad. they made it, yeah, they came right back, made it the next two. So that was great. And all of this in the same year that you got the hall making the tournament. Yeah. You got St. Peter's exploding. Oh That's got to be so fun for you guys. Good year, good story. couple of years in Jersey sports after many dismal stretches, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, well, then the St. Peter's story is one you, you love that one because the ones that are unexpected are the best sports stories. And, you know, I don't think when many people thought they would win the first game against Kentucky, much less go to the Elite Eight. And the way that just kept on going like an avalanche, I mean, those that the week leading up to that, the Sweet 16 was just being on campus and. I don't think people understood. If you're not from New Jersey, like you just see 15, well, there have been other 15 seeds. Like, no, you have to stand there. You have to stand there in Jersey City and look at that campus and see where it is yeah. and see how small it is and look across the street and go, wait, where are we? And, and realize that, like, am I okay to park here? I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This is like the, the, the facilities. I mean, they used to open up that, that gym for homeless people on cold days, you know, and like you're telling all these stories about what it's like to be, what it's like at St. Peter's and why that's more incredible than, you know, any of the other Cinderella's. Uh, it, it was really, it was really hard to capture if you're not from here. It really was. Perfect segue to what I want to ask you about on a broad sense, because in general, you know, this is a New Jersey podcast looking at, you know, everything f- from food reviews to nostalgia, to interviews, to whatever. But I would argue that the St. Peter's thing ties into the idea that there is there is a New Jersey sports fan. Yeah. And there's New Jersey sports that's not you're in a very weird position. As I was thinking about this interview, I go, so much of the dialogue with New Jersey is it's dominated by New York and Philly. And with our sports coverage, certainly. Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Eagles, Phillies, they get covered. Hockey's a little different because we got the Devils, right? But you still yeah. got to write about the Rangers. Rangers are still in the ecosystem. So sports coverage is a very interesting way to look at this idea of New Jersey as its own entity where New York and Philly are a mix. But you look at St. Peter's and you go, that could only happen here. Yeah. You look at a right. boxer like Arturo Gatti and you go, yes, that guy being embraced by yeah. this state makes sense. He wasn't born here, but he's a Jersey guy. He's one of ours. Absolutely. He's one of, yeah. And I want to ask you as an expert, when you say he's one of ours, that St. Peter's stories is ours. I would argue, I've, I've often made the joke, I think maybe the definitive incident that defined my personality of having a chip on my shoulder and kind of feeling like I'm never going to win in the end, don't trust anybody, is the 89 finals with Seton Hall in Michigan. I go, <laughs> is there a more Jersey yeah. thing than that Seton Hall team making it that far to lose on a what even the ref Fancy, has said? Uh, Even the ref has said was a bad foul call. So when you think of Jersey sports culture, as someone who's had to analyze it greatly, write about it, deal with all the people who come at you with their, with their feedback, their opinions, what is the stuff that is uniquely New Jersey about, about these things as far as a culture 
affected by, but but not defined by New York and Philly, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and it's a very, you know, there's a proud thing about people. Pe- if you're from New Jersey, you love other people from New Jersey and you root for them in a way that, you know, transcends anything, teams, jerseys, you know, sports even. And I, I like, I love to cover the Olympics and we'll have every year we'll have like 20 New Jersey athletes. And every now and then like a kid like Shakur Stevenson, Nor Nor Yeah. Born. Will, will be a huge story. Or, I mean, this, I mean, gosh, last summer we had, you know, a thing Mo and Sydney McLaughlin, two, the two, two of the three or four brightest stars in the Olympics building track and field. Both, they won a pair of gold medals each. I mean, that was incredible. And you just find, you find people like that. And I think that, you know, you feel an association with New Jersey athletes. And I don't know if that, maybe it's the same way if you're from California. I don't think so, though. Or if you're from Florida, I don't know if you have that same bond to, to athletes or teams or, or just the, the personality of the state. So I laugh all the time. Like we, we, we have like a different degrees of who's from New Jersey. Like Scotty Scheffler, the golfer just won the masters and he, he lived here until he was five. He moved to Texas. He says he's from Texas. He went to, he went to the university of Texas. He's Texan, right? But when so heading into the Masters, you're like, oh, this guy's not from New Jersey. But when he's about to win the Masters, you're like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I can, can kind of see it, uh, you know. And before you know, he's won the Masters. Like that guy's as Jersey as Bruce Springsteen now. He's one of us. Uh-huh. He won the Masters for sake. That's a Jersey guy. I mean, it's just but yeah, I'm just laughing about it. But it is, yeah, it is true. You're totally right. There is a, there is a personality about being from the state, and, and it transcends that goes over to sports too. Are there are there sports moments that you can think of that we haven't named yet? St. Peter's this year, Seton Hall '89, Rutgers football '06, Arturo Gatti out there at, at Boardwalk Hall. Yeah, I mean those, those are great ones. I would go some of the great Olympic moments, you know, that you would look at. I mean, the three Devils Cups were were about as Jersey moments as you can have, right? I mean. You know, just parking lot parades for that team. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, th- those are certainly Jersey things. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, certainly, I think for me, the 2006 Rutgers team, just because of how bad that program had been over the years, that's probably one of the five stories I've covered since being a columnist. Um, you know, that's Jersey. And let's face it, the Giants are Jersey. And I, you know, I know like they have New York, I get it, but they're, they've been here since, they've been here longer playing in the middle lanes longer than they were when they played in New York at this point, you know, they're, they are as Jersey as anybody. And I think, um, you know, those moments covering those Super Bowls were certainly fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, every now and then there'll be like one, like we had a, we had the, they had the NASCAR champion a few years back. Martin Truex was from New Jersey. I remember thinking like, yeah, man, we've got, you know, this is not our sport NASCAR, but right now we've got the best NASCAR driver in the world from right here, New Jersey. So yeah, there's, there's been a ton of them over the years that, uh, that, that stand out. Uh, it, you brought up the Olympics a couple time, times. I remember reading um, one of the breakdowns that NJ.com did about here's all the different New Jersey athletes in the Olympics this year. And I remember being struck by how many fencers from New Jersey made the yeah. Olympics this year. Is there, a, is there a whole culture of fencing quietly quietly uh, beating bright in New Jersey that most of us don't know about because fencing's not on our radar. Who knew? Yeah, it, it is that we've had, I mean, we've had a bunch of them. Yeah, that's a great, that's a good observation. I don't know if it is a, you know, if it, I think there are certainly fencing programs in, in Northern New Jersey, but, uh, you know, fencer from, from Teaneck this year, we, uh, 
you know, we, uh, we can't think of her name now, but we had uh, from uh, just a couple of years ago, 2016, won, won a bronze medal with the team. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. And fencing at the Olympics is one of those, one of those odd sports that uh, maybe not the easiest to watch, but we must, I think we won like 10 or I think we won like 10 or 12 medals at the Olympics this year. Jessica Springsteen. Equestrian won a right. silver medal at the Olympics. New Jersey's horse. I mean, that, is there a more New Jersey story than that? God, Bruce's daughter. Bruce's daughter. And also, we forget there's large swaths of central Jersey that are horse country. Yes, that I've are never horse been country. there, but I heard it's nice. Yeah. What, yeah. yeah. Once you get down to, you're right, that 100 in Somerset area, a lot of, a lot of people love their horses down there. It's very Jersey. Bruce Springsteen's daughter bringing Jersey horse culture to the forefront. Yeah. That is an interesting one as well. That, that is, is an interesting one as well. Yeah, that is, that's hard to top that one. The fencing thing makes me laugh because I'm like, oh, is there, you know, is there something about being from this state where you're inherently able to just stab someone? With <laughs> is it just that we are prone to knowing how to get enough rage yeah. to just stab someone with a thing? Could be. Yeah, we're not going to, but shooting is, we actually take that back. We had a, Matt Edmonds was this guy from Browns Mills, New Jersey. He was there. He was the guy. He's one of the best. Uh, Olympic shooters of all time. He was one, he's the guy who well, all he had to do was hit the target to win a gold medal one year and miss and shot the wrong target. Oh, that wow. was like a, that was like a huge. It was like one of those holy crap Olympic stories. Like he should have won a gold medal. All he had to do is essentially. I mean, you were not you were I could have done it. And that's I mean, Jersey right the there. That's Seton Hall in '89, right there, isn't it? It really was. Yeah, and then that's, that's uh, really it. That's Rutgers losing against West Virginia after, right? Was it, it was uh-huh. West Virginia after losing? It's these, <laughs> these jerseys. Yeah, yeah. These Jersey sports heroes find a way to just hit the wrong target right at that last second, but it, <laughs> it makes us love them more. It does totally. We don't love Arturo Gatti if he if he beats Oscar De La Hoya, right? We love that he managed to get the money fight against right. him in the. Fr- we all knew he was going to lose, but also just stand there and get the absolute shit beaten out of him, and then oh. beat. The, I mean, some of those fights he had to be just, you know. <laughs> I I have always been a fight fan. I uh, loved boxing growing up. It's it's very out of character for me as the nerdy guy. I always loved boxing, MMA. I was ahead of that. I used to watch the weird Japanese leagues before the UFC was like a legitimate thing. But I, in college, I had a roommate way into it, and I caught on to Gaddy at the tail end yeah. of the of the Ward trilogy. And and one of my great regrets is that I did not attend any Gaddy fights live. I, I have you, I have you, I did. I never did. No, we, oh, we have obviously Jerry Eisenberg is one of the greatest sports writers in the world. And he was covering, but he was still with a working for us in New Jersey. He covered, he covered those fights for us. Yeah. So I never got a chance to do that, but yeah, man, those were, man, that, that was boxing at its best. I wanted to ask you about uh, Jerry Eisenberg because I was listening, you know, growing up, a Jersey kid, like you said, you delivered the ledger. We all read the ledger every day. It was waiting for us. You'd read it before or after school. I have to imagine, you know, you just said there was some crossover there. These are daunting shoes to fill as the columnist. Oh, that, man. That's, yeah. that's a seat that when you get to take it over, walk me through that. Cause you want to talk about a yeah. New Jersey legend, Jerry Eisenberg's right up there. Oh, and just impossible shoes to fill. So, I mean, I think you, you realize pretty quickly that you shouldn't even try. I mean, that's just, that's, this is a guy who, didn't write about Muhammad Ali. I mean, knew was friends with Muhammad Ali, you know, didn't write about Larry Doby, eulogized Larry Doby at, at his funeral. I mean, this is, you know, obviously just a, a, a person, just a legend in a, on a different level. And yeah, I mean, I, I talk about delivering the paper, but I used to, you know, as I'm walking up and down 
the streets of Nutley, New Jersey, throwing the paper behind screen doors. I would read his columns. Yeah. And to be able to get to know him and cover Super Bowls with him, you know, sit in the press box next to him during his 52 straight Super Bowls that he covered uh, was pretty remarkable. Yeah. And there will, there will never be another sports writer. I don't think just here in New Jersey. I mean, just the way, I mean, you saw, if you were a person of a certain age in New Jersey, you saw the sports events through his eyes, essentially. You didn't have social media. All these games, they're not all, they weren't all on television like they, like they are now. Uh, so if you wanted to see what happened at a big event, you want to know it. I mean, you would wake up the next morning and read Jerry Eisenberg, man. So that, that's unreplaceable. It, it also, I, I do, you do have to sit and wonder, you go like, is Larry Doby, who obviously historically, you know, is he as remembered? Is he a little bit more of like a trivia question without yeah. Jerry Eisenberg writing about him? Does he have the Larry Doby Highway? Is part of the Patterson Plank Road called the Larry Doby Highway without those articles? Is Arturo Gatti, you have to wonder, like, Arturo Gatti going full Jersey City. It's a special thing. Like, does it become mythical if you don't also have Jerry Eisenberg as a Jersey-based guy noticing it along the way too? Like, you could argue that that's a very uh, that there's like a symbiotic relationship there. That those things help each other. Oh, there's no question. Absolutely agree. I agree totally. That yeah, he had a big part, and not just local. I mean, national stuff. You know, this is a guy who stood up for Muhammad Ali when he was a conscientious protester of Vietnam War. I mean, this is you know obviously. Jerry Eisenberg's columns have, have made a huge impact on, on sports, uh, just even beyond New Jersey, no question. Now, as, as we're talking about this, how is a weird question? But I see, I don't want to be disrespectful. I know you mostly through Rutgers, just because I read so much of the Rutgers stuff. In my mind, sure. I go, okay, if I get the chance to talk to you, that's what I'm going to focus on because I've read so much of it. <laughs> regionalism and college sports special thing right like the big east to me is just that was a golden age when it was at its best and even now it's still so fun being a seton hall fan and still getting to go to that big east tournament i feel like that's one of the that's a story that i think is it it should be told a little more of like hey the big east like it's it's syracuse georgetown anymore it's not syracuse georgetown but it's still pretty effing fun to go to that tournament it's still a special thing we got ruckers now in the big 10 I went, when I went to Rutgers in uh, 98 to 02, they were still Big East. You still had these regional um, meetups to a degree, but it was starting to really fray at the edges. Now Rutgers is making a lot of money, but we're playing USC, UCLA. How are you feeling from the? Uh, how are you feeling from the perspective of someone who who writes about this? Of like, is it? I don't want. Who wants to get into a boring thing about NIL? I think these players who put their bodies online should be making money. Certainly. But are you seeing things change in a way where it's uh, is college sports going to lose a little bit of what we love about it, or, or is it going to adjust in a way where we just all roll with that punch? You know, that's, that's a great question, and I think there are a lot of places that are are grappling with that. Maybe more than maybe more than New Jersey, because I think for Rutgers didn't have to give up a lot. Let's face it when they when they moved to the Big Ten, it was they, all. <laughs> It was all gravy. I mean, they're playing UConn. They're in a they're in a shitty conference with you know Southern South Florida. I can't even remember who they were in. You know, to move to the South Big Florida, 10. not even the worst team by the yeah, end of the Big East. Yeah. They're, they're, they're inviting like Eastern Carolina in by the end. Yeah. All, all these weird teams. You know, now yeah. they're Michigan State, Michigan. You so when you see throwing UCLA, USC on top, it's like, hey, why not a road trip to 
in and out country. You just go to LA in the winter. That that's you're going to West. You're going to West Lafayette, Indiana anyway. You might as well keep flying another two hours and go someplace nice, right? I mean, yeah, that's not. I don't think it's a big. I think it's all gravy for Rutgers. Uh, but I can understand from the other side of the country, if you're a USC fan and you're not playing Stanford and Arizona anymore, you might be, if you're a UCLA fan, you're, the Cal rivalry is done. I mean, that might be, actually, that's a big difference. Yeah. It's, it's actually funny. as you, I'm asking from the perspective of a Rutgers writer where it's like, oh no, for us, we hit the jackpot. Of course. Yes. Love it. Bring on. You, yeah. Keep UCLA on adding. UCLA people must be furious they have to play <laughs> Rutgers. I mean, that's the USC people everywhere have. now. Their closest trip is Nebraska. I mean, <sighs> yeah, that is, that is nuts. Um, but see, I have to say, I do there is something about and then Seton Hall is a great, the great example of the flip to it. They've, of course, they've added Butler and Creighton and teams like that. But it is still a conference, and I give them credit for just, you know, hey, this is what we do good. We, we're we're a basketball conference. This is our thing. We're gonna we're gonna embrace it. We're not gonna try to. I mean, and I think you see with the success of Villanova, the uh, Seton Hall's had UConn. I mean, you know, that's to me that is that's the other way to go. I mean, don't try to chase it. And I, I give them a lot of credit because if you're a basketball fan, I mean, those games are great. Those rivalries are great. The, the, the opponents are great. It's a lot of fun. Even in a down year for both teams, I'll go to Seton Hall, Villanova every time. I'll go to Seton Hall, St. John's every time. If I'm free yeah. and there's tickets available, I want to see them beat up on St. John's. I want to <laughs> see them pull one off against Villanova. Yeah. And the new teams they brought in are a good cultural fit too. And then you start hearing rumors they're going to bring Gonzaga in and you're going, uh, yeah, that's a trip. Okay. The yeah. That, that's, okay. that's a weird one. Yeah. But college sports are different than pro sports. And I think in a special way, and I want to see, I want to see uh, schools make money. I want to see kids make money, but I also want it to be different than right. pro sports. I, I, I don't look to them for the same things. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's obviously never been more professional now and it's certainly going to trend in that direction. You know, there's no, there's no putting the shoving the toothpaste back in the tube here for this one. It's, we are headed in that. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, with Rutgers is now in a division with Ohio state, which was always a professional team, but now they're, you know, now they're, professional to, to the point where they've got they don't to, have to hide it. it. Yeah, they don't, they don't have, have to hide, hide it anymore. anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, it's going to be, does is, is the Rutgers fan base have the stomach or the, uh, the want to, you know, to raise money and pay, pay for players to the point where they can compete with Ohio state. I mean, it's hard enough to do it before that. And now it's going to get harder. Well, realistically, let me ask your opinion on that of like, is Rutgers, is Rutgers going to see a winning season again anytime soon playing in this conference? I mean, well, they could, I mean, they could, they're, they're one and oh, they're going to win the next two games. So there, we could see one by November if a couple of things. But as far play, as a Big Ten record, Big Ten, that's, yeah, that's the challenge. Are, when are they, when realistically, how many years? Unless, I mean, if Rutgers within the next 10 years has a winning record in the Big Ten, that's a miracle rebuild, right? Well, I, mean, I guess it depends what the schedule is. You know, I mean, you could see a scenario. They should. They're they're already beaten Indiana. They're they can already uh -huh. beat. They've proven they could beat Illinois and teams. They're on the same level as teams like that, and that's half the Big Ten, right? So they should be able to beat Maryland. I mean, I think the ceiling for Rutgers. You, you could get to the point where you are, you know, you're nine and three, eight and four, and and most years you you can win your non conference games. You can beat the team. You can beat the Northwesterns. And then you hope that once every 15 years, you just catch lightning in the bottle where you have a great team, where you, you get four interceptions against Ohio State, where you're, where you're playing, where you're in the top 10 and you have a chance to break through that, to break through that ceiling. 
once in the odd year. I think that would be what that's what the Rutgers fans should hope for. Now, here's the real thing. As someone who follows Rutgers, I think you're right. It's lightning in a bottle to take out a Michigan and Ohio. Although they've had Michigan's number, weirdly, they've come close. They've come close. They beat them once. I think first they beat game them once, the right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Here's the, here's a big question that I think you'll have an expert opinion on. If they can take out Penn State, who's always good, but they're not Ohio State, mm-hmm. is that as big to the Rutgers fan base as Louisville was back then? Because that's the one they hate, right? right. Rutgers fans, of Penn course. State, that's yeah. the that's the school they hate. That's where Shiano came up. If they can yeah. catch Penn State, is it as big a turnaround for the program as Louisville was in 06, or is that is that not quite as big? I don't think there'll ever be another Louisville just because of the circumstances. I mean, you're, you're undefeated, your stadium's packed. It's Thursday night. Mike and the mad dog are broadcasting from campus and, you know, and then they come from behind to win that game. And then the last second field goal and all the attention, the, you know, empire state building in red. I, I think that's going to always be a special separate category, but I don't think there's any team that Rutgers currently on the schedule that Rutgers would want to beat, beat more than Penn state. Absolutely. Um, and you have to remember when they came in their first game against in the in the Big Ten was against Penn State when they had the better team at home fifty four thousand people at that game at night and they blew it you know they threw I think they threw five interceptions in the game this was when Penn State was you know still the Jerry Sandusky uh, sanctions they should have won that game and didn't and now that looks like all right that's the missed opportunity because obviously James Franklin has come in and has rebuilt that program into to one of the best in the country so uh, but yeah I don't think there's any question that they could beat any team it would be Penn State I feel like they would if you could tell a Rutgers fan hey you're going to lose every Big Ten game this year except Penn State. Yeah. Some Rutgers fans would have to do a lot of soul searching. They'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll sign. I think there's there's a lot of people who'd be like, sure, great. Um, Let me just ask you a round robin of questions just to make myself giggle. Because I loved hearing you say that Nick Suriano was as intimidating in person. Like, this is not a shtick. No, no, this is a real If it is, he's committed to it 100% of the time. (laughs) No, he's just crazy. Good crazy. He's a good crazy. I'll I'll throw out some names of people who I imagine you've met over the years. Like, is Greg Schiano as intimidating in person as I imagine him to be from afar? No, he's not. And and it, I mean, obviously, I've known him now for for twenty years, and we have we have a relationship that's you know, it's not just a new guy walking into a press conference. But he's a down to earth guy. He's a very funny dude. If you just sit, you can sit down and talk to him about just about anything. Uh, He's, he's interesting. He, he's, he, rem- he has re- got a great memory for detail. Can tell you, I mean, if you're off the tape recorder's off, he can tell you some really funny stories over the years. Yeah, no, he, uh, I would say not intimidating. In fact, if you could get a beer with Greg Shiano, you'd have a great time. Is Shaheen Holloway as cool as this last year has made us all think he is? <laughs> he is, he is a, absolutely a cool dude. There's no question. And I, got, I had the chance to cover him. I was the Seton Hall beat writer uh, during the peak of his, uh, during his playing career. So, um, and I remember just how great he was as a player and people kind of, you know, I don't think Seton Hall fans certainly have forgotten, but I think the general population has forgotten just what an impact he made as a player coming into that program. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, as a cool, he is a, he is a cool dude. I mean, he was the perfect he was the perfect central character for that St. Peter story. I mean, when he like I, I wrote a column where I forget what the quote was, but he said something about Jersey guys don't care, and I wrote That's like we, we don't get pushed we around. That's what get, we do. We yes. do that. 
And I, I said, someone should put that on a billboard. And someone put it on a billboard. A dude read it. A dude who owns a billboard company, of course, put it up on Route 4. And this is like one of my crowning achievements. that they Route 4, that no quote. less. Yeah, Route 4. You may have caused quote. more, even more accidents on exactly. Route 4 one I day. I made a dangerous highway even worse. Is there anything a Jersey guy wants more than that? And I didn't even do it by driving. I did it by writing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah I, but that, I feel like you haven't totally earned your jersey stripes. And I, I got into an accident right at the junction of 17 and 4. I feel oh, like, okay, I'm a, right? Perfect. The only yeah. thing more dangerous is a, a billboard on 22. What are you doing yeah. out here? <laughs> That's true. Right in the center by where the, yeah, where the Circuit City used to be. That'd be a bad place to put it, too. I think people forget because his uh, pro career, I, I've always read it was injuries with Shaheen that, that he. Yeah, he was probably not quite the. You know, he was, he was a tweener, borderline guy, pro, pro career. But yeah, you're right. He didn't, you know, he had some problems with injuries and, you know, it's, it's tough to make it a go in Europe too sometimes. But I, I don't, I sure can't remember how long he played, but, you know, certainly played for a while. And people forget too, his high school era, there's two things about him that will make Jersey people love him, which is one, the McDonald's All-American game, his year, everybody who played in that game and everybody who watched it says to this day, Shaheen Holloway stole the show. And yeah. it was a game that also featured Kobe Bryant. So very Jersey right there. That is a Jersey. That is a great Jersey accomplishment. No question. Second thing I, I once read in the, in the hysteria around St. Peter's, I read something that made me feel like this is the most Jersey dude of all time. And he's not even, I mean, he's a New York guy who, who's been yeah. adopted. He's like the Arturo Gatti of basketball in a way. Right. <laughs> but apparently, uh, Coach K says Shaheen's the only person who ever visited Duke twice and didn't ultimately commit there. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That, that's the best. To go to Seton Hall after you got tempted by Duke twice? Yeah. That's pretty great, man. Yeah, that then you're absolutely right. Yeah. And can think of all the great think of all the great players who went to Duke too. Yeah. So that's even even put it even to make it different. He 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 lays his own path, absolutely. I do have to ask, as a Seton Hall fan who sees the the Seton Hall message board is just a true hive of nonsense <laughs> at times. I will I will ask I will say one of your uh, contemporaries at the Asbury Park Press, Jerry Carino, great Seton Hall writer. Absolutely, a lot of the Seton Hall fans are like Carino has our back, man. But the Ledger has a Seton Hall bias. How do you respond to these reports of no. a Seton Hall bias? I mean, I, to, to be fair, we, we, we did stop covering them for a couple of years. I mean, they weren't very good. And we, we only have, I mean, you know, we're not the, we're not the star ledger we were in 1998. We only have enough resources to cover, uh, a, a, you know, a few teams and Rutgers. We put, poured a lot of resources in them because they have a bigger fan base and a bigger following. We see it. We can, we can look at the metrics. Now the numbers tell you what people are reading and people would read the hell out of Rutgers and it wasn't the same for Seton Hall. I mean, since then we've, we've, you know, brought on Adam Zagoria, who's been a, a long time college. I mean, he's covered college basketball in the area for as long as I've been up here. So, I mean, he's he's a really well-respected, established dude. He does a great job. But Karina, I mean, yeah, Karina's Carino's Mr. Mr. College Basketball in New Jersey as far as writers go. So it's hard to top that. Yeah, he does good stuff. But I will say as a, as a Seton Hall fan, I've always found these complaints overblown. And I'll go on record and say that. And I'm not just here trying to blow smoke. I'd give you the business if it was time to give you the business. Uh but I've always found this idea that there's some vendetta. Hearing it come straight from you, hopefully some of these Seton Hall fans will of find course. it and just go, no. they're oh, parsing. They're parsing every comment right now. Yeah, but Plitty didn't talk about that rip job he did on Kevin Willard or something. Yeah, right now they're just, yeah, there's no question. <laughs> and that's fine. That's, that's fun. That's part of it. Yeah, please have a conspiracy theory. Just read us. That's all we care about. <laughs> right? You can, you can hate it as long as you, you know, that's I, and I 
answer a lot of emails that way. It's like, you know, there could be like, you're the worst. You suck. Everything you write, blah, 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 blah. I reply, hey, appreciate, thanks for writing. And more importantly, thanks for reading. You know, that's it's like the always the, <laughs> the always the best answer for someone like that. You diffuse those emails with, with as much kindness as you can. It goes a while. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll ask you. I feel like reading from afar, seeing what you deal with, I would go, it, it seems to me that the best thing about writing about sports in New Jersey has to be the passion of the people. And the worst thing has to be the passion of these people. The passion of the people. Yeah. I don't know if you'd say the same thing, but that is a real tight rope walk. So I'll ask you, what's the, what are, in your mind, what are the best and worst things about covering sports in this state for the past two decades? I used to, I used to joke that the best thing was I work at home, but now everybody works at home. So that doesn't, that doesn't apply anymore. Uh-huh. No, but I mean, for me, the best part, and I've, uh, is finding stories that people didn't expect. It's not like I love, look, I love covering the Giants in the Super Bowl. I love covering big events like the Olympics, and I've been blessed to be like the 20 Masters. It's just just crazy shit that I would never have imagined that I would have been able to do. But I still like, my favorite thing is still finding unique stories that people wouldn't have found otherwise. And a lot of times they're just, you know, they're from high school athletes or or athletes on a, on a lower level or, or less accomplished or, or certainly heralded teams. That's my favorite part of the job by far still. Um, the worst part, I mean, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, um, and I don't, I, look, I'm not, I'm not digging ditches for a living. I can't, you know, it's really hard. To, I find it's not good. Not a good idea to complain about what I do for a living because right, people, right. you know, will say like, what is he, is he out of his mind? He's going to complain about sports. He's a sports writer. He's going to the Giants game on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've been very lucky. I don't have many things to, <laughs> many things to complain about. I got to say, I love that. I, I love that answer both because it's classy and it's truthful, but also as someone who's read you for years and has seen the comment, has seen the scene all message board, who used to read the old Rutgers. Com- I mean, I used to text friends of mine from Rutgers and go, did you read the comments thread on that article about <laughs> Gary Nova? It's, it's the most insane thing I've seen. It reads like yeah. some of those comments threads honestly read like, and we got rid of the comments for that reason. They, you I mean, did, just, I, of course. Yeah, no, the politics are even worse. You think Seton Hall, like a Gary Nova column, was bad? You can imagine what it was on uh, any local politics story. Which I was just going to say, I feel like you could probably trace the beginnings of the QAnon movement back to the Rutgers football <laughs> comments <laughs> of the mid to late two thousands with the conspiracies and the histrionics. Yeah. But the level to which you would post something. And it would just be people going, ah, politi, politi, politi. To hear that you can still answer that question and go like, I can't complain. It's yeah. a great job. And I've experienced all this beautiful stuff. My I mean, favorite is you go on some of those, when I would write something positive, it would just like, I would like, you go on the message board and it'd be like, great story about blah, blah, blah. And I go, let's see what they're saying about me. And it would just be, there'd be no, like no one wrote it. There's no, right. You just point out, what a little love. I wrote, a, I wrote something nice. Come on, guys. But no, <laughs> the moment, like, and, and the moment, like, there's even like, is like a sentence on the bottom of some column that's negative and be like, oh, Politi kills us again. It's great. Yeah. It's all It fun. never ends. I love, I mean, you, you have to have the countenance that you have right now. You have to have this personality to put up with it because Jersey sports fans, they would break a lot of people, <laughs> I, I feel like. And clearly, you're just someone who's, rolling with it and having fun and you can't can't take yourself too seriously you can't i mean and i've met i've met guys who you know i've killed you on the message board but in person i guess you're an okay dude i'm like okay (laughs) that's good i guess that's something you know i've heard that a million times you know okay great now we've mentioned today a lot of the bigger programs a lot of the bigger moments you mentioned that you really like uh 
digging deep, getting to some of the stuff that maybe lower level, maybe non-professional level. For a lot of our fans who I think it's fair to say, these are New Jersey fans who are going to be fascinated because of the Jersey angle, but they might not necessarily be the biggest sports fans in the world. I come from a comedy background and that, you know, that attracts a lot of nerds and hipsters, not necessarily people who, uh, even I can say I'm obsessive about basketball and Gaddy, but even the football stuff, I don't, I'm, I don't know it backwards and forwards. Are there any articles? If you just want to take a little victory lap, pat yourself on the back and just go like, Hey, if you love Jersey, here's some stuff. Are, Are there articles you've written? that you feel like represent what you do, where you're like, this is a story that any Jersey person might love. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but are there no. any, any that come to mind where you're like, if you love Jersey, this sports story will right. really push your button. I mean, there, there are a couple, and I'll just make, I met, I mentioned one Seton Hall one, cause I know you're a fan, but I mean, like Luther Wright is one of the more fascinating oh, figures in New Jersey sports history. If you don't, if you don't follow college basketball, a high school prodigy, seven footer, one of the greatest recruits out of New Jersey ever went to Seton Hall had a good career, not a great career, still was drafted in the first round, fell on just just terrible times, had drug problems, mental illness, mental yeah. illness the whole lived on the streets, lost toes because of frostbite from living on the street. Just, and, but the, the story took such a nice turn. He bounced back. He was DJing at Seton Hall games. He had found a community at, at a church in New Jersey and seemed like got his life back together. And then he disappeared again. And it became like, you know, became kind of an obsession for me to, all right, let's find, let's find where did, what happened to Luther Wright? And I would, to the point where, you know, I was like driving around Irvington with the, with the Irvington detective I knew at night, um, stopping at like Dunkin' Donuts and the train station and, and asking people if they had seen, and obviously it's a guy, he's seven foot tall and, and he's, and he also gained a lot of weight. So it was like 400 pounds. So it was like, he's not a human being you would miss if you saw him. Uh, and we, we found him in, a, of all places, Augusta, Georgia living in like a house and behind another house and his, his sister had moved down there and his sister had found out that, he, that, that he had was struggling and uh, was living on the streets and, you know, moved him down there to be with her and to kind of get his life back together. Uh, and it's just a weird thing. Cause like I mentioned, I've got my Augusta, my master's shirt on right now. I mean, I cover, I cover the masters every year. So, you know, after all that time trying to find him to just go knock on this door in Augusta, Georgia, a place I go every year for this golf tournament and actually find him and talk to him and catch up to him. That was one of, that was one of my favorite stories to write recently, just because it, it did have a happy issue. I can't say it's a happy ending because you don't know what, you know, right, what's gonna, where right. that dude's life's going to go from there. But I mean, just, you know, to, to see him at least with a roof over his head and with someone looking after him, that, that story stuck with me a lot. Um, you know, another one of just, and it's not a, it's not a happy story, but I, I there was a, a recent uh, a former walk on our Rutgers had committed a murder in Tijuana. I read, I read your yeah. story on it. It's like, uh, obviously, it's don't, a I, crazy story. I don't do a lot of, I don't, do, I don't cover a lot of true crime things. So, you know, and it just was a very open-ended question in, in the New Jersey basketball community. It's like, you know, why did Logan, how did Logan Kelly end up in this club? And, and you know, brutally murdering this woman i can say that he did it because there's a there you can look it up you can find the video clip on the internet it's just an awful thing he slits this woman's throat in this in this notorious sex club in tijuana and i went down there and i spent you know i spent several days trying to figure out what happened in that and you know that's just another one that sticks out in my memory because it's something i've never i never had to do you know when you're like there are a couple of times when i found myself looking around like you know i'm usually 
I'm sitting in the press box, a giant stadium. I don't have to deal with, uh, you know, wondering if this, if this bouncer from this Tijuana club is ready to kick me out of here. Cause I'm, you know, talking to, talking to one of the strippers. Uh, it was, yeah, that was some, that, that, that one sticks with me too. I'll also say this too. I want to give you credit on something that's a very sad thing that I know you covered, but where I feel like in the same way that I said, maybe not the same exact way, because this is not in the same way that I said that, you know, Jerry Eisenberg is Arturo Gaddy Gaddy without Eisenberg is Larry Doby Institute, you know, as locked in in Jersey and, and, and remembered, um, debatable, but Eisenberg was a part of it. I'll also say too, it seems like one of the toughest things that you've probably had to cover is everything that happened with Eric Legrand. And I will say between yourself and other reporters at the ledger, I feel like it it was such a sad story, but there's been a lot of inspirational stuff too. I've never met Mr. Legrand, but he's done a lot and you guys have always gotten in his corner and made sure to spread word on it, on his businesses, on supporting him and, and keeping people updated. And I uh, can't imagine how hard that one was, but I also feel as someone who's a subscriber and who's read a lot of what you and the other people on the Rutgers beat have done, I go, wow, like this reads like people who aren't just doing this because it's the Rutgers beat. It right. reads like people who are really rooting for this guy who went through of something course. terrible. Right. But that, but that's all him too. I mean, he makes that, that he's just, if you've never met him, he, this, the personality he's got is just nothing you can fake. I mean, he's just one of the most positive people I've ever encountered in this job. And one of the, the pleasures of this job is meeting people who you, I wouldn't have met otherwise. And he would be in the top 10 just because, you know, he's just a guy you want to be around. And I did a story where I spent, you know, I asked, I pitched it. I'm like, no one has done, everyone's written about you going to the, you know, the walk for Eric Legrand and he's at the football game and he's on TV. I was like, I want to spend, cause you're, I mean, I just watch you from the outside. This has got to be a hard life, right? I mean, <laughs> I want to see when the cameras are off, I want to spend 24 hours with you and I want to sleep over your house. I want to just be around you as long as you're alive. I would have spent longer, but you know, I think he, his mom was like, wait, you're doing what? <laughs> she didn't want me now. So long. But I, but he, they did let me stay like a full 24 hours. And I was there at night when, you know, he's lying there and he can't, you know, he, he gets cold. He's got to call on someone to pull the covers up. Just little things like yeah. if he's got to scratch his nose, it's going to itch on his nose. I mean, he's got to have, he's just got to have full forget just, it's just full-time care. And that, then those are the easy things. I mean, it takes them two and two, three hours to get ready in the morning for, you know, and, and I was there for the walk for his walk, the big walk day. And like, he was worried because every morning he takes a laxative and hopes that he will go to the bathroom. So he doesn't have that hat. So he doesn't have an act. He can't control his bowels. So he doesn't yeah. have an accident in his, in his wheelchair. And when you think, when you put that in context, like, Oh my God. You know, like this is the most positive dude in the world. He's smiling. He's raising money. He makes you comfortable. He looks like he's just, you know, uh, and you know, to to think that that's something that's constantly on his mind is worrying about some things that we just completely take for granted. And yeah, I mean, it it made it to me, it made what he does even more inspiring just being around him and seeing it at that level. And I have to say too, I I feel like there's a, there's other newsrooms that wouldn't have continued it, you know, and, and would have dropped the ball and, and kudos to you and your compatriots for, uh, for supporting him over the years and making sure that Rutgers fans, for anybody who's listening, who, who isn't familiar, he was injured in a, in a on-field incident that uh, paralyzed, I believe from the neck down. Yeah, shoulders down. Shoulders yeah. down. So, uh, and 
but I, I feel like the way that you've had his back is very inspiring to see. So I wanted to make sure I got that on record too. This was this was a, a an incredible conversation. Everything I hoped it would be. I'm making. I'm going down my checklist. I gave you the business as a Seton Hall fan. Allowed you to allowed you to address that. You've brought up so much stuff that uh, it's good to hear from your own in, in your own words. Other stuff that I never saw coming. Just a, a, a really great conversation, and I thank you for having it. So, so my question to you, though, is: are, when I when I completely rip off the Rick's her own thing and do a column on that, please, you could <laughs> let me know when you want to meet. I'll play you my copy of it. It's I'm hard very, to yeah. find. Right. Well, that's it. Yeah. So that's the kind of that's the kind of wacky the wacky story that I just absolutely love. And listening to you dive deep, and if yeah, yeah, people we could. I mean. I'm just glad discovering that, it while you're doing it to me. Yes, that's that's was, the great part. I was it wasn't just anything say, you could have planned. Absolutely Total not. And it, Google search. Listen, if you need a copy of it, you let me know. I'll drive it to you. I mean, I won't let you keep it because this is a prized possession of mine, but I have it right beyond me. I'll drive it to you. We can listen to it as long as you got a turntable. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've got need. Rick's number too. I could I could solve See, I could solve this mystery. This is what the world's been waiting yeah. for. When are Gethard and Politi gonna finally team up on something <laughs> as important as Rick Cerrone once made a song? Why did he do that? I just can't I, I just I wanna know the answer. Absolutely. I'm I, yeah. I am at your service, sir. The second you want to dig deeper into the Rick Storm oh, mystery, I will believe. Be, I will be ready to get that <laughs> thing to you, and uh, we'll blow your mind with it. That's gonna happen. <laughs> I promise. I cannot wait. Can't wait. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Cop, and Mike D. New Jersey is the world is produced and edited by Carson Cop, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the world and on Instagram at New Jersey is the world. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World, where New Jersey is the World.